Welcome to Innovators Unleashed. Join your host, leadership expert, Clinton Henry, as he embarks on a journey through the realm of talent leadership, engaging with trailblazing thought leaders from around the world. Here's your host, Clinton Henry. Today, we're talking to HR thought leader and expert, Kimberly Williams. Kim began her HR career as a diplomat with the U.S. Department of State where she tackled complex personnel challenges, negotiated at the UN in Vienna, and received awards for her precedent-setting work in diversity and inclusion. Today, she is instrumental in fostering Walker Advertising's inclusive and award-winning culture. Let's dive in. So Kim, I'm I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Now, typically, I am a little nervous to be talking one-on-one with HR, but uh, that is not the case today. So let's start with that. What are some common misconceptions about HR? Um, that we're not on your side, that we're there to protect the company, to protect management, that we're actively out to hurt you, um, and that we can't be trusted. I've heard all those things. So please edify me. Why Why is that not <laughs> Well, unfortunately, it's a bad reputation that is actually well-earned. That's not always a popular thing for someone who works in HR to say, but I think you've just got legions of people who had these negative experiences, and there's actually a couple reasons for it. I mean, one, all the labor laws are written this way. HR is trained to kind of behave in a way that protects the company from liability, and so that does shape a lot of decisions, and, and you'll see it play out kind of in disparate treatment. Like, you know, if the janitor breaks the rules, fired on the spot. If an executive breaks the rule, executive coaching. And part of the reason for that is because people won't sue over a janitor for large amounts of money, but they will sue a CEO for significant sums. So the system kind of incentivizes, you know, everyone working within that company to protect that really bad actor, even if something serious has happened. Um, HR also deals with a lot of retaliation. So even folks that really do think that this is wrong and try and speak out against it, you know, in a lot of private conversations, they talk about um, a lot of blowback because they report up to these individuals. And if they're mean to others, a lot of times they're mean to HR. Oh, wow. So what do I do if I have gone to HR or the problem and they don't help me? Yeah. So there's there's two ways. And, and it, it can be hard to know, like, If you happen to have that HR person who wants to help and is just struggling because they're on the wrong side of the power dynamic, or they're a true believer and is like, I don't care. I love the boss, (laughs) you know, and the boss is But either way, I think that there's ways to incentivize them and to bolster that backdoor conversation. So like on LinkedIn this morning, I just posted about another multi-million dollar claim that, you know, a jury awarded this massive sum for race discrimination, sexual harassment. And so I actually have a Google alert every day in the U.S. to trigger me and alert me to news that is going on around these cases. And they're literally every day where we're seeing, you know, jury awards of $366 million for one case in Texas for one woman race harassment, um, or racial discrimination. Um class action suit against Goldman Sachs, you know, settled for $200 million. So sometimes just feeding information like that to HR <laughs> makes it easier for them to sell up to say, this could destroy us and it will likely go public and you're going to pay way more by not changing behaviors. 
So what are some common mistakes that companies make when dealing with workplace abuses and, and how they think is maybe the right way to handle them? Um, they're not managing their own fear. So I've seen a lot of cases where people just freak out and they get scared of a complaint. They get scared of being held accountable. They get scared of having to take action. And so they punch down at the complainant. They blame the victim. They gaslight the victim. They ignore the victim, hoping that they'll just go away. And for many years, that's worked for them because you had a system that really didn't support them. A lot of times their peers around them will freak out and, and kind of, quote, mob them. And so, you know, distance themselves from them, try not to, you know, connect with them, socially isolate them in a way that feels terrible and furthers their harm. And a lot of cases people do, you know, the default is to go look for another job. But we're seeing a real change, almost like a tipping point where people are saying, no, particularly Gen Z. They're like, uh, yeah. absolutely no. And I'm going to post you on TikTok for 8 million people. <laughs> <laughs> They're not putting up with it anymore. So what advice would you give someone who's experiencing abuse? Is it just to open a TikTok account and kind of document it there <laughs> and maybe get some action? Or what, what, what's the approach? If you're cute and have cats or something, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but like, you know, like for me, I'm 52. I don't even know how to open a TikTok account. I have to get my daughter to help me. But yeah. <laughs> maybe if you're if you're not TikTok famous, some other general good advice is um, take start a log. Just a you know a very straightforward. Hey, you know this happened to me on November 13th at 9 10 a.m. This was a conversation. This is what was said. These are who who the witnesses were, and start tracking all that information. And then look at your handbook because. Nobody ever reads this document, but in a lot of jurisdictions, these aren't just the rules for you, it's the rules for your company. And so if they have like a bullying policy in place, an EEO policy, and they should have an EEO policy in place, and they should be outlining their investigative process and what they'll do to respond. And if they don't do that, that can actually be a breach of contract and um, in some jurisdictions so that there's liability just on that alone. But anybody who can present to HR in a very calm, you know, emotionally flat way that says, here are the facts, here's the policy that this violates or the law that this violates, and this is impacting my ability to do my job, that is a golden ticket right there. Like, you won't see the response, but they're going to pay attention to that response because what you're saying is, I present this information well. This is now discoverable. You can be held liable for ignoring me when I engage in this protected activity. And I will present well. My words will present well outside this company if the media gets this, if a jury gets this. So they will weigh their response based on factors like this. And so it's really helpful. And, and if you're in too much of an emotional place, ask ChatGPT to drive it for you <laughs> and use that as a starting point. But how you show up is so powerful and they're not going to teach you that. It's not right. best interest. Nobody's coaching on that. Now, you know, you and I were speaking uh, prior to kicking off about some like, you know, some work that you're doing currently around uh, legislation to you know, maybe change the way that uh, basically the, the way that, that states view some of these actions. Can you talk a little bit about kind of your um, the work that you're doing now with, with the yeah, several states? No, absolutely. And so 
you know, um, being in DC now, it's you get to partner with all these wonderful organizations that are out there really trying to to change things. And we're seeing a lot of major shifts happen from, you know, whistleblowers of America to, you know, um, workplace fairness to all these other groups that are starting to link a lot of information together. And some of this is showing up in other places like Massachusetts on October 10th, they had about 500 people testify before the house in support of a bill called the Workplace Psychological Safety Act. And this is just saying, you can't be mean, you can't hurt people. And it was fascinating how many medical doctors showed up to testify saying that you can actually see scars on the brain from workplace trauma, that the American Psychological Association in 2022 redefine PTSD to include the work site. Because when your job's in danger, your whole life can feel like it's in danger. It's a very big deal. It's how you pay your, for your bills, where your kids go to school. All these things are kind of attached to it. And then there was just countless testimony of all these people who had their lives destroyed, um, whose families fell apart, who you know have PTSD. They have all of these health issues that are tied to these traumatic events at work. And so the, you know, the turnout was very encouraging. Um, they won't, you know, make a decision until February. There's like a similar bill that's going through the Senate there. Rhode Island, this act has already passed the Senate. And so next year they'll be looking at hopefully passing it in the House. And then one of these will go to governors for signature. And New York City is also awaiting a bill number right now uh, that will also introduce this. So can you talk about the before and after of what this is? So as we sit now, in order to show sort of like uh, harm, the meanness has to be tied to a bias of some sort. Like they're being mean to me because they don't like my race or whatever, or uh, my religion um, or my disability. And now it's just that that's going to be no longer the case. Is that that a fair summary? That's That's a very good summary. Right now, there's nothing unlawful about being cruel at work. And so, and what's even worse is right now we have this discrimination standard, which requires you to prove intent. So sometimes people are dumb enough to put an email in writing saying, I hate you because you're ex or something. But most of the time that doesn't happen. They can be very cruel. They can be very dismissive. They can demote you. They can you know, take away key projects. They can isolate you to impair your ability to do your job. And the underlying motive could be because of protected characteristics. But as long as you're having to prove that, you're having to be a mind reader. And that's like an impossible standard. So there's, you know, there looks, they're looking at ways to try and overcome that to make a meaningful difference where that people are actually just treated okay and uh, that they don't have to prove that <laughs> to get help. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stunning to think that that is, that's the current state of affairs, even though maybe it doesn't feel like that, right. That there is actually that massive burden of proof on, on the employee or the victim um, to show that like, yes, not only was I abused, but here's why I was from the, you know, from the, the, the innermost parts of this individual's mind. Like that's yeah. <laughs> impossible to me. Um, it's, it's, it's stunning. So taking all that into account, you know, and we talked about kind of the state of where things are at, are, are there any things that you're hopeful about around the future of work? To, what, what kind of makes you excited about the, the world we're walking into? Or is it all doom and gloom? I know. It's definitely not. I mean, 
it has been for a lot of people. I mean, this is something that has affected nearly 50 million workers in the United States, you know, where they look at these climate surveys and who's endured this kind of abuse. And these are significant numbers. But I I see great hope because I think if this bill passes in one state, you, I think you'll very quickly see it pass in a number of other states, particularly with an election year next year. I think plaintiff attorneys are getting far more organized, politically engaged. They're working together in ways that are really empowering employees. And, and that's always been a significant difference because it's a lot more big law protecting employers and a lot of smaller shops that are protecting employees. And so now that they're kind of coming together, I think there's a lot of power in that and they're sharing more information. The staggering jury awards is just really incredible. And to me, that becomes a powerful point of leverage for any employee or even HR professionals who are trying to get their boss to do better things like, do you want this lawsuit? Yes or no? <laughs> like, let's do these things that fix it. And then even shareholders now, you know, they're really going after boards when they know that, you know, a CEO has been abusing people and they look the other way because it's impacting their bottom line. You know, if, mm-hmm. if that story goes public, that reputational damage comes at a real cost to the shareholders. And now they're taking actions against companies. So the incentives are going up tremendously. And there used to be this longstanding fear of employees to call folks out, but that's gone. Like beyond TikTok, even on LinkedIn, I see where people will tag a company, tag a boss and say, this person's a monster. And, you know, if they've got specifics, if they've got proof, you know, there's not a whole lot that that company can do. You know, it's not liable if it's actually true. (laughs) Right. um, So, we're really entering into, I think, a great age of accountability. Oh, that's exciting. All right. Well, that, all right, I feel a little better now. Thank <laughs> you. We started off dark, but I got it. <laughs> you lifted me back up, Kim. Thank you. Yeah. So, Kim, I, I'm, I'm really impressed by the work you're doing. I'm, I'm grateful for the information you've imparted and I uh, really appreciate it the time. So thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. That's it for today's episode of Innovators Unleashed. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and share the podcast with others. Follow your host on social media at the Clinton Henry or visit him on the web at www.clintonhenry.com. Until next time.